0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. You know, I, I, I'm so glad we're a Holy Ghost church. And we're not just a church that just reads words that some corporation somewhere across the country told us this is what you got to preach today, or some government official said this is what you got to say. I'm so glad the Holy Ghost knows what he wants you to hear. And that's what we say. And he gave me a word for our church, Pastor Dave. You might want to write this down. But uh, he gave this to me while we're worshiping God. I thought, wow, that is so real. I was thinking about how I was seeking him this morning about what to preach tonight and what he wanted to say and the direction he took me. And how many know? Everybody knows. We're living in different times than we've ever lived in. We're living in different times than the world's ever seen. We're the generation that's going to see Jesus come back. We're the generation that's right at the verge of the Great Tribulation, all those things going on, and we'll go out with Jesus. before that stuff hits us hard. But, uh, you know, the apostles, have the things read the book of Acts, they got to see Jesus go up. We're going to see him come down. Amen. That's where we live. But anyway, here's what he gave me. And it's really words that's from heaven because I couldn't come up with this. It's concerning our church. And as I was thinking about what I'm going to preach tonight at our kind of church, and I was in Indiana 54 years before I came to California, and we had a lot of nice little neighborhood churches there. Barstow's got a lot lot of nice, nice churches, little neighborhood churches and things. But here's what the Lord spoke to my heart for us, and I think this will edify you. We're not just a nice little neighborhood church, but we are nice. How many agree this is a nice church? It's got, got nice people in a nice church, but we are, now listen to this, we are an end times spiritual warfare center. I'd never heard it like that before. We're an end times spiritual warfare center. We teach and we demonstrate how to live a victorious Christian life. We role model. We demonstrate how to live a victorious Christian life. And because we're on the Internet, I've got to clarify clarify things for people listening, watching out there, because political correctness and all the gotcha generation things going out there. I didn't say we're a church that has knives and guns and bombs and things, goes around hurting people. For the rest of the flesh and blood, but against principalities. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, principalities, powers, the rules of the darkness of this world. There's no bomb big enough to take out a demon. <laughs> Amen. There's, 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 no, there's no guns bad enough to kill the devil. We're a spiritual warfare center. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not of the flesh, they're not of this earth, but they're mighty through God. And so we teach you, and we demonstrate, spiritual warfare, how to pray, how to talk, how to love, how to live, how to come through this world with all the things going on, and not be overcome by the enemy. And the enemy is not a politician, the enemy is not a fellow citizen, the enemy is the devil, Satan, his demon spirits. And human beings are kind of a neutral. This is all stuff, this is not my sermon, but it's coming out, so I'll go with it because a lot of people may not realize this. We, as human beings, are kind of in a, neut- a neutral place. We can be swayed by the Holy Spirit and do what he wants us to do, or we can be swayed by demon spirits and yield to the devil. Saved and unsaved people like can be moved by things from the spiritual kingdom. And that's why sometimes good Christian people say things and do things that are not in line with the Word of God. Because they're moved by the wrong spirit sometimes. Sometimes they're moved by the Holy Spirit. And if they're not highly disciplined and trained in the Word of God, thoughts come to them and they act on them because they don't know how to cast down thoughts and imaginations and things like that. And so the times we live in right now, what we're going to teach on tonight is going to help you sharpen up your focus, because right now, the devil has a lot of civil unrest stirred up in our nation. And with all the all the shutdowns with the COVID stuff, all the quarantine shutdowns, places you want to go, things your kids used to get to do, they haven't been able to do for almost a year now, there's a whole lot of pressure on the flesh. And so tonight we're going to talk about eternal things. And how as believers, we can live like we're supposed to live, to do what we're supposed to do. And I know when I got born again on January 29th, 1980, I'm going on 41 years old. I'll be 41 in a couple weeks. And my earth suit is almost 70, but the real person lives inside the earth. suit. How many know when you die that this outside person lays down, it's laying there, but the real you comes out? And so the real man on the inside here will be 41 in a couple weeks. And I realized some things as a brand new baby Christian back in 1980. I realized this. For eternity versus earth. I, like that The Lord gave me this. It's like a drop of water in the ocean. One drop is nothing compared to the whole ocean. If you live to be 100 years old, that's nothing compared to no time, endless time, forever and ever and ever and ever. So down here, my 70 years old, is nothing compared to eternity. Amen. And so we have to realize that what we do on earth is only preparation forever. And so that's why we should not get shook up or moved or mad at politics. Or your friends that don't go for the same party you go for. Amen? Or about shutdowns. Man, there's places I want to go eat too. There's things I want to do and haven't been able to do it for a year. But what that's got to do with the Lamb's Book of Life? Are my neighbor that doesn't know Jesus? Are the backward, are the backslidden Christians used to come to this church? I want to help them. I want to help people. So I don't have time to get shook up by all this stupid stuff. Amen. And then, and then, then, then I realized something else too. As a baby Christian, the Lord told it to me this way. I realized when I when I heard teaching about the name of Jesus. That in the name of Jesus, we cast out devils. In the name of Jesus, mountains or problems are removed. In the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow, every time confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I realized that at that time, back in 1980, the most powerful TV preachers that I saw had no more power than what I had as a brand new Christian. I realized that with all the years of experience the devil's had, the devil's been around a long time. I realized... That those preachers I saw doing what they did, only did what they did because they used the name of Jesus. And I realized when I was a month old, I can do what they're doing because it's not their ability, it's the name of Jesus that's doing it. And so I realized that. And so I'm just saying that to encourage you. No matter who you are or how, or how spiritual you think you are or how spiritual you think you're not, it's Jesus in you that gets things done. And so the times we live in, the most powerful men and women of God that you look up to, you've got what they've got. And as a spiritual warfare center teaches you how to live successfully in these end times, if you listen to what we teach and do what we do, then you're going to cut through the stake on top of it. And the, the best news about it is this. Your family, your friends, strangers will see you. And the Apostle Peter said it this way in his second epistle. He said, people are going to look at you, and they're asking you for a reason for the hope in you. And then you're going to be able to tell them. In the Walmart store, at the restaurants, at the schools, in your neighborhood, wherever you're at, when they ask you, why well, aren't you all shook up about the vaccine? Well, I don't care about the vaccine. You're going to get it. Well, I'm going to talk to Jesus about it. If he wants me to, I'll get it. If he doesn't, I won't. But I'm not afraid about it. Because Jesus is the answer. And they're going to say, really, you're not afraid? And I'm going to say no. I feed on the good news, not the same news you're watching. Amen. My news gives faith. Your news gives fear. Amen. Do a better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. You ready to get down to the message now? Okay. Here's the title for your notes. Are you eternity minded? Are you eternity minded? And so tonight we're going to adjust our focus. How many of you know we all need to adjust our focus from time to time? I want to look at Isaiah 50 verse 7 NLT. And this is, this is the theme verse for the church that the Lord gave Pastor Dave. Uh, you know, uh, we've been shifting the church to Pastor Dave and Katie, Josh and Julie, to the ones we've trained for the last several years. I'm so grateful we have because this young generation is picking up on, th- picking up on things they've been trained in for years and years and years. And uh, I told Pastor Dave the last couple of years, I said, well, I always got a verse from God for the year. I said, it's your time to start doing it. And so Pastor Dave got this. But as I read this, the Lord showed me something this morning. I'll show you what he told me. Isaiah 50, verse 7 in the New Living Translation. Because the sovereign Lord helps me. How many are looking to him to be your help? Amen. Matter of fact, let me stop and take a pause right there. I like to take you into my house sometimes. Me and Mrs. Pastor were writing out a tithe check today before we came to church. As we write it out, we were sitting there. And when I was praying, I closed my eyes. We were doing what we always do. We always present our tithe to Jesus before we ever get to church. He's the one that gets it anyway. And Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8 says, That here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them. And so we bring it to church because we're the clearinghouse. We bring it to church. But we always give it to Him before we get to church. So as I had my eyes closed to pray, it, I said, Lord, I've done this ever since I got born again because I knew that's what You wanted me to do. And I said, we've done this ever since we got married. All these years, we've done what we're doing tonight and we want to thank You for the good life we have. We want to thank You. You're the one that takes care of our house. You're the one that takes care of our cars. You're the one that takes care of our church. And Lord is so grateful. We're so grateful. To be able to have this to give back to you. Because you said when we give you the tithe, you open the windows of heaven. You group the devour for us. And Jesus, we're so grateful. We're not sick. We're not poor. We're not broke. We're not depressed. We belong to you. And so then I said this. I said, Jesus, and this was for a Social Security check. We're old enough now we get Social Security. We paid our dues so now we get to collect on it. But uh, But I said, Lord, I know... That the times we live in, you better listen closer, I'm gonna say, this was a Holy Ghost man and woman talking to Jesus about serious things the times we live in. I said, I, oh, Lord, I know this social security is not our security, you are. And if something happens, they decide to shut off our social security cause we're Christians, or some other dumb reason, then Lord, we're still looking at you like we always have. And I said, Lord, if something happens, they start coming after churches and shut things down to where the church can't give us a paycheck. You're still our source. You're the one we look to. And I said, Lord, when we had a little bit of nothing, you got 10% plus offerings. I said, now that we're much further along than that, this is a prayer. I'm letting you in our prayer closet now. I said, Lord, now that we're further along, where we're really walking a lot of natural blessings, it may be Social Security at a church paycheck that we're tithing off of, but if they're gone... It's the same thing. We're looking to you. You're our source. And everything you do to take care of us, we're going to give a tithe to it. That's the way we do it, Jesus. And so you guys need to hear this. You need to hear this. It's very real that if you're looking at whatever your source is right now, and the natural is your source, you better make a change of focus. Has anybody noticed the last few weeks people with great businesses have lost their businesses because of how they believe politically? And so who's your source? Amen. And so anyway, the Lord, sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do His will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. I have set my face like a stone to do His will. And so, I was, I was thinking about that as I sat there in my chair a while ago. I was thinking, man, Lord, I know there's something there I'm not seeing. And then he helped me see that part of the verse that I really need to see. A stone, what I'm seeing, is a large boulder. It isn't moved by wind. How many know with these Santa come through here, the mountains don't move? And then sometimes we've had these desert floods. Have these floods come through here, these stones don't move. How many have ever seen a car hit a big boulder? What gets tore up? The car or the boulder? The car. And so in other words, stones, big boulders, mountains, don't get moved by anything. And so what I saw was this. For the times we live in, if we're going to have ourselves set like a stone to do the will of God for our lives, we're not going to be moved by who's the president or who's not the president. We're not going to be moved. We're not going to be moved by I wish Jenny's would open We're not going to be moved, man, I'm going to get these kids back in school. We're not going to be moved by social media and people that don't like us or people we don't like. We're not going to be moved. Why? Because we're going to be like a rock. We've got the will of God at the number one call for every believer, although a lot of believers don't really know this they don't choose to live it, the number one call for every believer is to stay saved and get other people saved. And so we have got to set ourselves like a rock that no matter what comes our way, what kind of persecution, what kind of financial lack, what kind of financial gain, uh, jobs come and jobs go, whatever happens, we've got to be have ourselves set. What does this really matter down here on earth? Time's short. Heaven's real. Hell's real. Eternity's forever. So why am I going to get shook about this? Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 10. He said, rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. And so anyway, when I wrote this down this morning, thinking about the Lord give this to Pastor Dave, the Lord spoke this to him, but David is a reflection of me. I've influenced him since he was born in 1985. I've influenced Joshua since they were born in 1985. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, that we are to be imitators of God as dear children imitate their fathers. And so this verse right here, spoken to David, expresses my heart and my life because it's been passed on to him torches passed. So, this verse, if I was seeking the Lord this year instead of David, it's probably what he would have gave me too. Or something very similar. And so expresses what's in my life, in my heart. And so David's been under my influence for all those years, as well as Joshua and my other children. And so, I want to talk about why we feel so strongly about pursuing God's plan for our life and ministry. And because you're all aware of the end-time prophecies and events coming to pass before our very eyes, I hope tonight I can really throw some fuel on your fire, on your spiritual fire, help you get fired up and get serious about where we're living and not stick your head in the sand and ignore what's going on, but on the contrary, get serious about what's going on. Because there's people all around you. And I'll, I'll tell you something else that we've done, too. Do what you want to. But the news got so horrible the last few months, number one, we quit watching it. Then number two, we've taken it upper level. Now our television set is set on Kenneth Copeland's Victory Channel. And every time that TV comes on, we got a faith preacher preach as soon as it comes on. We used to have like to have it set on the Me Channel or the Western Channel or different things like that. But man, that puts no faith in you to sit there and watch smoke. Amen. Or sit there and watch some show that's entertaining. We don't need entertained right now. We still watch other things. But I'll tell you what, when you turn that on and Kenneth Copeland's preaching or one of the other faith giants are preaching on there, and they start preaching to us. Next thing you sit there and think, wow. And you get all fired up all over again. So, anyway, that's some adjustments we've made. We need to hear good news. And those other things, man, it's just to be negative, 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 negative. Even news people that you can trust, they don't have any good news to tell you because it's all negative. And so if we're going to do what God wants us to do, we're going to to get some fuel on our fire. Amen? Amen. And so anyway, like a rock, politics, COVID, closures, they're not going to affect our calling because we're going to preach, teach, prophesy, and get people to heaven with us. I want to say that again. None of those things are going to affect us because we're going to keep preaching, teaching, prophesying, and getting people ready for heaven. Now give the Lord, give the Lord praise for that. Now look at I, look at, look at Acts chapter 26 and Acts chapter 26 is the apostle Paul giving his testimony to King Agrippa he, of course, he was arrested, he's in jail, and et cetera, et cetera. And he was stirred up such a stink with all the politically correct people in the religious community, they was wanting to kill him, and et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, finally the king said, I've heard so much about this preacher, I want to meet him myself. And so the governor and other political officials, of the elite came to hear Paul talk to the king. The king questioned him. And so, this is Paul's testimony. We're going to look at Acts 26. I'm going to look at verse 13 through 19. This is Paul's testimony of when he gave his heart to Jesus and received his call to ministry. And for me, I 100% identify with Paul on January 29, 1980, 41 years ago. This is how I felt about life, and I haven't changed. For 41 years, I've had my face set like flip. Like a rock because it's so real to me. And so here's his testimony. Verse 13. He said, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven about the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which were journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou hast persecuted But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. He said, I've got a purpose. I've got a plan for you. I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. Both of these things which thou hast seen are those things to which I will appear unto thee. Deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles until now I send thee. And I call that a witness protection program. He said he made him a minister and a witness, but he said the people I've sent you to, I've got to protect you from them. And do you know that any good preacher that preaches the truth makes enemies? Do you know that if I start talking about what God has to say about marriage to the Bible right now, there are going to be people want to stone me to death because they don't agree with it. If there's people, if there's people listening, I talk about where the Bible stands on politics right now in America. I'm going to make enemies. That's what happened to Paul. God sent him to people, and he told them what God said from the Word of God, what God had to say. And because he preached that, Jesus said, but I'll protect you. I'll be with you. I'll stand with you. I'm going to send you, but I've got to protect you from them. Amen. You know... I, like Pastor Dave said Sunday, all all that live godly, Paul said this in Timothy, all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so if you're not getting any persecution about how you believe, maybe you need to do some fasting and praying and get more serious about how you're living. Somebody said amen or oh me. Amen. And so he said, "Delivered you from the ones I send you to. Now listen to this. He said, I'm here for you this for this purpose, to open their eyes. How many know right now this country needs its spiritual eyes opened? To open their eyes, why? To turn them to turn them from darkness to light. Not to turn them from Democrat to Republican or Republican to Democrat or Libertarian or Independent or Conservative to liberal, 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 forget the politics. People need to turn from darkness to light. And I'll tell you what, when people get turned from darkness to light, they change how they believe about a lot of things. Amen? Turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan. Well, I wouldn't confess Satan had power. Well, you're in denial then. Jesus said it. People need to turn from the power of Satan unto God. Why? That they may receive forgiveness of sins. Well, the modern church—we don't talk about sins. That's why the modern church is dead. Amen. Turn, turn to receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And when, it, when I say identify with this, Jesus appeared to him in that light and began to talk to him. And a lot of you have heard my testimony, just a real brief part, just for the sake of what we're talking about tonight, why I identify with this. When I was a young boy, my grandma used to take me. There wasn't any Christians in my family except my Baptist grandma. So she'd take turns taking the kids and the grandkids to the Baptist church. Well, I got serious. When I was in the eighth grade, between eighth grade and freshman, I went to a youth camp and I got born again. And I was serious about it. My family wasn't any Christian, so I lasted probably about a year and I backslid. Well, then when I was 27 years old, I just, I got tired of living the stupid life I was living. I found out that Bud didn't make me wiser. Bud made me stupid. I found out that, what do they call it, Mary Joanna back then, or whatever they call it. that man, Mary wasn't any good for me. She made me dizzy and goofy. And so the different things I did, read right around all things, I got tired of it. I just wanted to quit smoking. wanted to quit drinking. I wanted to start going to church. And so the place where I grew up at, I I knew there was a little neighborhood church there I went to. I I went to, there wasn't the Baptist church, another church. So I went there in December of 1979. And I went there five Sundays in a row. And it was a nice little neighborhood church. Boy Scouts used to meet there. Used to go to the Boy Scouts there and all kinds of stuff. Five Sundays in a row in December, I was seeking to get right with God. And at the end of every sermon... I would walk up the altar. I did this five, five Sundays in a row. And I walked up to the preacher and I said, he shook my head, and I said, I want to get right with God. And the guy acted kind of squarely and said, well, I'd like to be right with him too. That'd be nice. I, said, I want to get saved. And the guy didn't know what to do with me. And so I went to the associate pastor, a young guy. This is an older guy. Five Sundays in a row. Nobody would pray with me or anything to get right with Jesus. And so then an unsaved truck driver told me about a Pentecostal church his wife was going to. He wasn't even telling me about the church because he thought I ought to go there to get saved. He was telling me about the church because he thought it was kind of something weird going on. His wife going there and said God was real and that she got healed. His father-in-law got healed. So, long story short, I couldn't wait to get to that church. So, in January of 1980, I started going to that church. And I went to that church there It wasn't like the Baptist church I went to. I love Baptist churches. It wasn't like the Baptist church I went to as a kid. Baptist church had Jesus in it and things like that. But the Holy Ghost Pentecostal church had the power of God in it. whole different thing. And so when I went to that church, I saw things happening. And I was living with a woman at the time. And she had some serious diseases in her body. And so I went there and after two or three weeks, I thought, man... She doesn't have to be sick. So one night, one night, we were talking and we had a conversation. We went like this. I looked over at her and I said, you think God's real? And she said, I think so. And I said, I think he probably is too. And I said, well, if he is, he's not just in that church. He's right here for us right now. He's probably listening to us. I'm serious, this is my conversation because I wasn't a born again Christian yet. And I said, she, she, she had arthritis and stuff, and I said, I said, well, are you walking better than you used to? Because when we went, the first time we went to that church, the Pentecostal preacher lady put oil on her, and prayed the prayer of faith over her, in order her for oil. I'd never seen anything like that before. And so after two or three weeks later, I could tell that she was acting different, acting better. She said, well, yeah, yeah, I am walking better. I haven't been hurting. And I said, well, probably when that preacher lady prayed, I said, God probably did that. He said, yeah, I, I think he might have done something because I'm feeling better. And she also had trouble in her female area. They go to a, to a doctor talking about hysterectomy and things like that. And I said, you know what? If God's real, I said, he probably doesn't just want you to heal that other stuff. He probably wants you not to hurt down there anymore. And I said, and if He's real. He's not just in the church. He's right here with us. And so I said, they said, you lay hands on sick people. And Jesus heals them. I said, I bet he'd do that for us right here, if he's real. And he's on the if time all the time. And so I said, okay, I want to pray for you. And then at him, I said, I don't know how to pray. And so I called this unsaved truck driver's wife because I kind of got to start knowing her. I called her on the phone. And I kind of told her that conversation we just had. I said, you know what? I said, we've decided, it <laughs> happened good, but we've decided God's real. Because we didn't know. And you know, there's people out there right now in your life that are like that around you. You know He's real, but they don't. So anyway, this unsaved truck driver's wife, she is a baby Christian too. I said, I said, I want to pray for her. But I said, I don't know how to pray. And, To this day, I have no clue what she said. All I know I got out is the name of Jesus. Because what happened next, I was like Saul of Tarsus. The light came down in my room. I looked over at her. I laid my hands on her belly. I've been preaching for almost as long as I've been saved now. 41 years I've been in this. This has never happened since then. I laid hands on her belly, my fingertips. And if I had a bucket of water right here, had a light socket right there, no light bulb in I stuck my finger in that bucket of water. I couldn't shock—not shocked anymore. What happened to me? I touched her belly, and fire from heaven came down and knocked us out. Electricity came down. I felt the power of God many times the last 41 years, never like what happened that night. And so when I did that, we was out. Didn't wake up the next morning. I was a truck driver, and I guess I was kind of in a state of spiritual shock. So I got up, went to my job, and I called her. About halfway through the day, I was at a customer's place. So I was making a phone call. I called her, said, "Hey, how you doing?" She said, "You're never going to believe what just happened to me." I said, "What just happened?" Not being gross, but she said, "I went to the bathroom, and she said this mask came out of me, and said my belly went down, and everything's gone. I'm healed." Amen. That was January 29th. That was January 29th, 1980. Because right there in this office with all these people around me, I didn't even know because all I was doing was using the phone for a business call and I slipped in a personal call. Right then, I raised my hands up. I said, Jesus, I know you're real now. I'll give my life to you now. Whatever you want me to do with my life, I'll do it. And that's why I say I identify with Paul 100%. And so I knew that Jesus manifested Himself to me for this purpose, to make me a minister and a witness. Of the things, He said, of the things that I've done, and the things I will do. And so over all these years, I've taught the Bible, and I've stuck with it, because it's real. It's really real. So identify with that. And so, because Paul said, Jesus told him, to open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, and the power of Satan unto God, that's why, over all these years, good times, bad times, times where we don't feel God for months, we're real people. Sometimes we go for months and don't feel anything either. Sometimes we go for a long time and don't hear anything. There's no voices talk to us and say do this or do that. We're Romans eight fourteen people. We're led by the Spirit of God. We're Romans twelve. Well, two people, our minds have been renewed by the Word of God. We're not conformed to this world anymore. So in our hearts, we know what to do, and we do it. Then sometimes, like when I was in my seat there a few minutes ago, the Lord told me we were a spiritual warfare center in the end times. Sometimes we do hear things. But like you, when it's real to you, that heaven's real, and hell's real, and eternity's forever, how could you ever, ever get on social media again and chew somebody out? Because you don't like their politics. How could you ever disown your grandma again? Because she didn't vote right. Don't you want your grandma to go to heaven? Oh, man. I I want to close with one more passage. Acts chapter 20. Go look at verse 24. And look at a few verses. And so, I want to say this again we have our face set like a stone because we know there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. Attorney's forever. And that's why, although we're very aware of what's going on in the political arena, quarantines, business shutdowns, we're not going to be moved by those things. We refuse to get caught up in in the fear, worry, strife, and offense that's all across society right now. I want to say that again. I can't talk about you. As a trainer in a spiritual warfare center, as a role model, I can tell you what we do, but you have to make your choice of what you do. We refuse to get caught up in the strife, the fear, the madness, the depressions over what's going on because Jesus has appeared unto us. One way or another, He's appeared to everybody here by the Spirit, through His Word. He made Himself real to you. And because of that, we got to turn people from darkness to light. Amen. So Acts 20, verse 24, this is closing. Paul said, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so I might finish my course with joy and the ministry. My course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. See, there's two things right there you got to know, know as a believer. He said, I want to finish my course. That means his believer's life, his race. We're all called, number one, whether you're a preacher or you're a Holy Ghost factory worker, store worker, whatever you do in life, think about Chuck, the business people, whatever you do in life, number one, you've got a believer's life and you're never going to fulfill ministry if you don't be... A good believer first. He said, I'm going to finish my course with joy. God wants us, in spite of what's going on, the joy of the Lord's our strength to have joy. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. He said, I want to finish my life with joy. And then Paul said, "And the ministry I've received. My ministry I've received is to preach and teach the Word of God. Everybody's not called to be up in front of other people doing that. But wherever you are right now, I'll tell you what, We've got a lot of good, good ministers in the healthcare industry right now. There's a lot of people in the healthcare industry. They're good believers, but they've got a ministry. We've got a lot of people that have a ministry in the local church. I think about our church. There's a lot of people here. They're not just believers, but they have a ministry in this church. I think Chuck, I keep drawing to you guys. There's a ministry right there in that business they do, what they're doing, plus other things they're going to be doing. Every one of us has a life that God didn't just call us to sit in seats. There's something we're going to do. I think about Herbert Walmart. I'll tell you what, there's an anointed minister at Walmart right there. She'll greet you coming in, greet you going out. And she, she, she's awesome at Walmart. She's a very great witness for Jesus. And so anyway, Paul said, I'm going to be moved by things, but I got to testify of the gospel the grace to God. And now, behold, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. He was getting ready to be martyred, but he said this, Wherefore, I take you to record this day, I am pure, I am innocent from the blood of all men. What does he mean by that? For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He said, I've told you how you're supposed to live. So if you don't live how I've taught you from the Bible, and you get in trouble with God, it's not my fault. I'm clean. I've told you about your money. I've told you about tithing. I've told you what God says. So if you go bankrupt and busted and you don't make it, I'm clean. I told you what God says. And every other area of life about how to love, how to resist the devil and all these things. He said, I'm innocent. I've taught you the Bible. That's what I say. I identify with Paul. We teach the, the Word of God. And so now as he's talking to ministers, <clears throat> he says this. Number one, two things here. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. And then number two, then to all the flock. And so we have to know, number one, as a believer, no matter what you're called to do, if you don't first of all take care of you, you have nothing for anybody else. When I see that, I can't help but think about airplanes. If you've ever ridden on an airplane and they give you instruction for the takeoff, they always talk about that oxygen mask will drop down. And they say if you've got a child with you or an older person or somebody that's sick, said, you put it on yourself first and then on them. If you get knocked out, you can't help them. And so as a Christian, if you don't take heed to yourself, if you backslide, you'll never help anybody else. And so he tells the preachers, take heed to yourself. And then the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he's purchased with his own blood. So as men and women of faith that lead this church, we know, number one, the Holy Ghost, not some board, the Holy Ghost made us overseers, purchased with his own blood. And I want to close, very last thing, verse 32. And this, this, because we're eternity minded, this is why we live this way. And so then he says, and now brethren, and this is how we live, what we preach, what we teach here. This is the spiritual warfare. I commend you to God and to the word. Of his grace. The word of his grace is able to build you up. And give you your inheritance. Among all them which are sanctified. Or set apart. So at this church. We're going to preach. Teach. Pray. Prophesy. But at the very top of the list. We're going to be Holy Ghost preachers. Tell you what the word of God has to say. And something that a man told me years ago. I can't remember who it was. but I'll never forget. He said right about where John and Diana are. Talking to the guy said, you know what I like about this church, Pastor Samples? I said, what? He said, you put the responsibility on us. You take it off of God you put it on us. He said, you show us what God says we can have, but you show us how to do it. And if we don't do it, it's not your fault and it's not God's fault. It's our fault. And so we will show you how to live, but you have a choice. If you want to step up to the plate and live like the Bible says to live, you have what the Bible says you can have. If you choose, I just want to keep on doing what I'm doing. I don't believe in luck. I'll just tell you this, good luck. It's not going to work. I've never said good luck to my life since I've been a Christian. Luck's not in the Bible, but blessing is. And so I don't have bad luck. I have good blessings. Amen, amen. All right, Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.